James chapter 5. We started off last week looking at our theme verse for the year, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Today I want us to look at the simple thought of how to pray. Uh, you'd say, well, I know how to pray. Uh, when I teach people, so to say, how to pray, I say, we just talk to God. That's all we're doing, talking to God, having a conversation. And, uh, and that's what, uh, uh, how we pray, yes. Uh, but I want to look at the biblical uh, uh, sense of this today on how we pray. And I want us to look at James chapter 5 as our, our, um, a way to show us why we should want to know how to pray biblically. James chapter 5, look in verse number 16. It says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the, by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. I want to focus on the last phrase in verse 16, where it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's more to talk about in verse 16 um, but we're not going to cover that today. But at the end there it says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What effect are your prayers having? Are you seeing your prayers answered? I've told you before, I believe the definition of prayer, that prayer is asking and the answer to prayer is receiving. Are you receiving the answers to the prayers that you've been praying? Are they being effective? Because verse 17 and verse 18 here show us uh, an example of someone who had effective prayer. He prayed, Elias did, and it says that he prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, called for rain, asked God for rain, and the heavens opened up and it rained. That's an effective prayer. That's an effective prayer. His prayer was answered. So, uh, the question is, is how do we have effective prayer? How do we pray in the way that we can see our prayers answered? I know there are times where I get frustrated. I'm saying, Lord, uh, uh, I need this, and I pray for this, and I ask, and I ask, and I ask, and I ask. And I say, God, why are you not answering my request? Um, sometimes it's because the request wasn't what God wanted it to be. So God wasn't going to answer it. Sometime God was saying, um, be patient. I'm going to answer your request in my time. And so we're going to look at how to pray so that we can have effective prayer. Because if I'm praying and I'm not seeing answers to prayer, it's not, something's not right. Something's not working the way it's supposed to be working. And uh, so today we're going to look in the Bible on how to pray. And, uh, and we'll pray the Lord will ask, uh, we'll ask the Lord to help us to understand it, to learn from it and uh, to help us have more effective prayers going forward. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray that you would teach us to pray. I pray that through your word we'd see how we can have effective prayers, how we can see our prayers answered. Lord, that we, we uh, can come to you with confidence, and uh, Lord, know that you're hearing us when we pray, and God, that we would see the great fruit of our prayers. God, I pray today as I present this scripture, I pray that you'd help me to present it clearly and correctly. And God, may we grow from it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I'd like you to turn now to Luke chapter 11. So here in James, we see this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We see an example uh, of Elijah there, uh, Elias in the Old Testament and how he prayed. Look in Luke chapter 11. We, we touched on this last week. <clears throat> I mentioned to you here in verse number 1. Let's read verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass, Luke 11 verse 1, that as he was praying in a certain place, that's Christ, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught also his disciples. And so we see here this, uh, um, what I mentioned last week is, is purely opinion to some degree. I think it's a, an educated opinion, but nonetheless, I'll, I'll, I'll preface it with that, that as the disciples watched Christ pray, there was something different in how Christ prayed compared to what they had seen most of their lives. Um, it was similar to what John, uh, how John prayed and how John was teaching his disciples to do so. But outside of John and his disciples, the Christ's disciples had not seen prayer the way that Christ uh, prayed. And so I want us to see how do we pray as Christ prayed. Uh, number one, we need to, to very simply follow his example. Follow his example. Follow Christ's example. If we want to pray as Christ prayed, we need to follow his example. Uh, here we see in verse number 1 that Christ was praying in a certain place. He was already there praying. The disciples saw him. When he stopped praying, the disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to pray like that. Our prayers aren't like that. Uh, just in the book of Luke, and you can find in, in the other Gospels as well, but in, in chapter 3, verse 21, we see Christ praying. In chapter 5, verse 16, he withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. In Luke 6, verse 12, he went out into the mountain uh, to pray and continued all night in prayer. Luke 9, verse 18, he was alone praying. Luke 9, 28, he went up into a mountain to pray. And then here in Luke verse 11, verse number 1, he was praying in a certain place. Christ prayed consistently. It wasn't sparingly. It wasn't occasionally. It was consistently. And we see here that Christ prayed often. In doing so, we need to understand that if we're going to pray effect, uh, effectively, if we're going to have effective prayer, it can't be a once a day, a once a week, a, a, a once every now and then praying. It must be consistent prayer. We know uh, it tells us that pray without ceasing. We looked at that last week. The idea of being constantly in the state of prayer, where in my mind I am consistently praying. Uh, where I am always in that, uh, to use the overused example of that open line of communication with God. He has an open door policy. You go to him anytime. Yes, you can. But we should be going consistently to God in prayer. If we start by following Christ's example, Christ is the perfect example for each area of our lives. And if we will follow Christ's example with prayer, we'll start by praying more. By praying more. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Okay, well, that should tell me that I ought to be calling on Christ. Yes, but I need to be doing it consistently, often, many times throughout the day in the constant state of prayer. Go to God in prayer consistently. Number two, how do we pray like Christ prayed? Number one, follow his example. Number two, ask him. <laughs> I love this. Ask him. Ask God. God, how can I pray like you did? Christ, how can I pray as Christ did and be effective in my prayers, getting my prayers answered? Well, we simply just ask Christ. Ask God. 
How do we do that? We pray. We pray. Isn't that amazing? Christ is willing to teach, but He often is going to wait for us to ask. Here in Luke chapter 11, we are coming up uh, towards the end of Christ's life at this time. The disciples had been with Him uh, for a while. And they asked Him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, Christ showed, him, showed them by example many times. But He didn't just say, all right, guys, this is how you pray. Now, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer that's here, and that's also given earlier, and as Christ teaches as well. So it's not that they haven't even heard the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to, we're going to talk about all that in a moment. But, uh, but we have to understand here that the disciples, they, they finally said, wait a second. When I pray, it's not like that. How I learned, how I was taught, it's not like that. And they finally said, uh, it says that a disciple came, one of his disciples, but I'm assuming that it was kind of as a representative of the group, and he comes up and he says, Lord, teach us to pray. Sometimes we, we battle with different things about God and we say, well, I don't really understand this. or I don't really know, know uh, maybe it's with the gospel. I don't know how to clearly uh, present the gospel. Uh, maybe it's with other areas of the Bible where you've had a question asked and you go, well, I don't know how to answer that question. The first thing we have to do is simply just ask God. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. James 4, uh, verse 2 says, You have not because you ask not. You want to know how to pray? You just ask. You need wisdom on how to pray? You ask. God will give it to you liberally. The disciples get taught when they ask Him to teach them. Um, if you remember when you were in school and you didn't understand something, you had two options. Pretend like you understood it and miss it on the next quiz or test. Or ask the teacher, can you please explain that again? Uh, my freshman year of college, I was in a math class. And, uh, and it was, I think it was called basic math. I don't remember. It was something like that. It was, it was not supposed to be difficult. I did not do well in it. Um, I did not pay attention necessarily. And I didn't, just didn't do great in it. And I did not get a passing grade in the class. Um, actually, when I took the class, technically it was a passing grade. When I changed my major, I had to have a higher grade in that class, and so therefore I did not pass the class. Nonetheless, um, I did not pass the class. I got a D in the class. Not good. Not good. Um, my junior year of college, I took the same class again. I took it in summer school this time, so it was a two-week format instead of an all-semester format. And, uh, and it was a smaller classroom setting, and I asked more questions. I also paid better attention. But I asked more questions. I didn't understand it. And she would say, you see how we got to this? And I would say, nope. I, I don't see how we got there at all. Uh, this is what I got. And uh, that doesn't match what you got. How did we get there? And then she would explain it again. And I would go, oh, well, that makes sense. My son will bring home homework sometimes, and I'll try to help him with it, and we'll go through different things. And we'll get the answer. And I said, do you see how we got there? No. Or actually, usually he says yes. And I said, are you sure? How did we get there? I don't know. Okay, let's go through it again. There are the times where, where he said, well, the teacher said this is the answer, but I don't know how she got it. And I say, I don't know how she got it either. You need to ask her. And you go back to school and you need to say, how did you get this answer? We've got to ask so that we can learn how to get there. Well, if we want to have effective, effective prayers, if we want our prayers to be answered and they're not being answered, and we're saying, God, I don't, I, don't, I, you know, I don't understand why my prayers aren't being answered. Why? We'll start by asking God. Um, oftentimes, not always, oftentimes it's because there's sin in our lives that we haven't taken care of. We'll look at that more in a moment. But ask God 
why my prayers aren't being answered, and then, uh, and then let, allow God to teach you and to tell you. Uh, number three, I want us to see why did they ask. Because that's one thing that always kind of stands out to me a little bit is, is at this point in their lives, and this point in their time with Christ, why now ask as opposed to not earlier or as opposed to just keeping going on with what they were doing? Um, I found that in the, this time, the Jews' prayers were often more of a prayer of adoration, of praise, um, almost to a degree of uh, the, uh, I, I'm not completely positive on this, but from what I could see, it looked like almost more of the scripted prayers that they would pray, almost like you think of the Catholics do uh, today. And, uh, and so their prayers were, were, were more that way, whereas what John was teaching his disciples and what Christ was doing was more of a petition to God or requests to God. It wasn't just adoration and praise. It was asking God for something. And the disciples are watching and they're saying, well, wait a minute, that's not the prayers, those that had been taught before how to pray uh, from the religious leaders. That's not the prayers that we prayed. Um, that's not how we prayed. That's not, that's, that sounds different. It's, it's, it's even got different motives behind it than what we were taught. And they, they were watching Christ pray, and they had seen what John was teaching his disciples to do, and they were understanding this is different than what we're used to. We need to learn this. As I told you before, and it's purely opinion, but what I think it makes sense is, is they're watching Christ, and they're saying there's something about his prayers that are unique, that are special. I want that. I want that. Have you ever met someone who it seems like if they prayed about it, they always got their prayers answered? We had a lady in our church in Indiana where if anybody wanted the weather to be nice, they would talk to her. Hey, would you pray for the weather, Miss Monica? Because when Miss Monica prayed for the weather, it happened the way Miss Monica prayed for it. We were going to have an outdoor event. Miss Monica, would you pray? This is what people, people would do this, I promise. Go to Miss Monica. Miss Monica, would you pray that it wouldn't rain right on Saturday? And of course, my thought is, well, you can pray the same prayer. But Monica, everybody knew if Monica prayed about the weather, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. And, uh, uh, you know, there are people like that where you've met them and you say, boy, it just seems like they just, their prayer life is great. It just seems like when they pray, it works. And when I pray, it doesn't seem to be working. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But, but we see this, this understanding, it's different. I want that. I want to be able to pray like that and have my prayers answered like that. That's why they asked. Number four, and this is going to take the rest of our time this morning. It's funny, in recording my sermons last week, I realized I preached longer than I realized I preached. I said, man, I preached too long. Uh, number four, we see, we see, how do we pray? This is the question that the disciples asked here in verse number one. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. How, how can we pray like you pray? And that's what we're going to look at the rest of this time. So we see here, uh, the Bible goes in. Let's look in verse two. And he said unto them, when ye pray, so he's going to ready to say the, the Lord's Prayer, slightly different than what's recorded for us in Matthew. It's a different time frame that he's sharing this. But he says, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. We also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, uh, I'll come back to this point in a minute. We'll stop at verse 4 for right now. So we see a couple things about how do we pray. Number one, when we pray, come to God as a child would come to their father. When you go to God to ask for something, have the same mindset that you would as a child going to your father asking for something. 
why do we say that? Well, a few different things. Of course, we see here, uh, first of all, in verse number uh, two, we see the importance of who God is. Understanding who God uh, is. It says, uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, uh, so in earth. We see this understanding. Know who you're talking to when you're praying. Um, I'm still working with my kids on this about um, how to respectfully speak to people, um, but especially how you talk to your parents, how you talk to your teachers, how you talk to adults. Um, you don't talk to adults the same way you talk to kids. I was always taught Mr. and Miss or Mrs. Uh, when you're talking to an adult, you refer to them as Mr. Whoever or Mrs. Whoever or Miss Whoever. Um, you never just go up and say, hey, Bob. That wasn't the way it worked. Now, there were certain people who were more like family. You know, you don't call your family. My kids, <laughs> uh, the last time we were going up to Ohio to see my, my family, my cousins and my aunt and my grandfather, um, one of them referred to my cousin Michael as Mr. Michael. My wife turned around and said, we don't call him Mr. Michael. He's your cousin. You just say Michael. Um, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to call him Mr. Uh, my wife doesn't respect my cousin a whole lot. But nonetheless, uh, um, they're family. You don't call family Mr. and Mrs. But, uh, but when you're talking to an adult, I was always taught Mr. or Mrs. If it's a pastor, pastor, or brother, or whatever. Um, uh, I was always taught that it was respectful to, to say Mr. or Mrs., to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Those sorts of things on who you're, who you're talking to. To this day, I still say yes, ma'am, to most, most women, and yes, sir, to most men. Um, and, and, you know, the people say, oh, don't call me ma'am. Well, you know, I'm going to, so I don't care what you say. Um, but nonetheless, uh, we come to this point where we understand, okay, I'm going to God um, as a child go to his father. Why? Because God is my father. So why wouldn't I? How did that thing stay alive? Um, and uh, so, so anyways, uh, uh, go to God like he is your father. Because when you go to your dad and ask for something, it's different than going to a stranger and asking for something. When you go to your father and ask for something, it's different than going even to your teacher and asking for something. When you go into your father, the relationship is so unique that you go to him with anything that you need and you trust that he's going to take care of you. And that's the same thing it is with God. And we'll look more about that in just a moment. But when you pray, pray to God as a child would pray or ask or talk to his father. Um, we need to pray boldly. Why? Because we know that God loves us. When we go to our parents with a need, or when our kids come to us with a need, we go boldly knowing that if I truly need it, they're going to get it for me, whatever it takes. Now, it's different when it's a want, right? I want a candy bar. No, you can't have a candy bar. I need medicine. Yes, you can have medicine. Um, and when if I needed medicine, I could boldly go to my mom or my dad and say, I have a headache. Can I, can I please have some medicine? And they weren't going to say, suck it up, buttercup. No, they were going to say, yes, you can have some medicine. Uh, we need to go to God boldly, knowing that he loves us. And so when we come to him with a request, with a need that we have, we can go boldly, knowing that he loves us and he'll take care of us. Ask him to do what is in his power. When I asked my dad for things, I asked knowing that he could get it for me, whatever it was. Um, even if it was a candy bar, I knew if my dad had the ability to get me a candy bar, so I was going to ask him for it. Um, I knew that my dad could get me what the, could reach the item that I couldn't reach, so I asked him to get it for me because it was within his ability. Well, what's within God's ability? Everything. He's all, he's all powerful. 
He's all-knowing. If I need wisdom, I know God has it in His ability to give me the wisdom. So ask God for things that are within His ability, within His power. We can go to God as a child and go to their father. Number two, pray for what pleases God. It says there in verse number two as well, Thy will be done. Now, I want to clarify this because I know people who go tentatively to God with the prayer of, If it's your will, Lord do this. And I don't know that that's wrong to say that, and I'm not going to say that it's wrong to say that. But I go to God with my, with my desires, with my wants, with my needs, knowing that if it's God's will, He'll take care of it for me. I don't go tentatively saying, well, if you want to, God. No, I say, God, this is what I need. Lord, provide it for me. And if it's within His will, He will answer. James 4, 3 says, "Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. James says, you, the reason, because he says in verse number two, you have not because you ask not. The reason you don't have is because you didn't ask for it. Then in the next verse he says, you ask and you don't get, you ask and receive not because you're asking amiss. Because what you're asking for is for you to consume your lust. It's something that is not what God wants. And you know it's not what God wants. There are times where we say, God, I would really like this. But we know that if we got it, it would lead us down a path that would not be right. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a good example. I don't have one. But we ask for something. We know God doesn't want it for our lives. And that's why we don't get it. And see, we, we should go to God with things we know God desires. Now, if we don't know if God desires it or not, it's perfectly fine to ask. God, is it your will that I have this? God, are you okay with this in my life? God, is it okay if we go to this place? Whatever it may be, for wisdom, asking God, is it your will? Because I don't know. But there are many times where we know if I got that, it would take me somewhere I shouldn't go. Um, I don't like that example either, so I'm not going to say it. All right, number three. Number one, when we pray, come to God as a child would to their father. Number two, Pray for what pleases God. Number three, pray daily for your needs. Verse number three, it says, Give us day by day our daily bread. Give us day by day our daily bread. You remember the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness and God sent manna? He didn't plop them down a month's supply of manna at one go. He sent it fresh every day. Here's the, the manna that you need for today. And those that collected it, uh, uh, more than what they needed for that day, it rotted. Worms came out of it. It was disgusting. It was moldy. It was nasty. Stank. All of that kind of stuff. So God sent every day what they needed. Every day we should pray for the needs that we have for that day. Our daily needs. We should go to God and say, God, today I need patience at work. God, today I need energy because I'm tired. God, today I need joy because I'm sad. God, today I need this for the finances for this. God, today I need my car to start. God, today I, we need to pray for our daily needs. Day by day, our daily bread. God, today I need wisdom from you. God, today I need to learn something from you, from my reading, my, my, my devotion time. God, today I pray for safety for my family. All of those things, every day, pray for the needs that you have on a daily basis. I think sometimes we get caught up in the 
um, the planning stage. Um, I do this. We all do this, I think. Most of us do. All right, uh, I told you before, if I had a million dollars, I know exactly what I'd spend it on. Every single cent. I know how much I would save. I know how much I would invest. I know how much I would spend. I know all of that. But uh, uh, that's planning for if I could do that, then I could live out my life this, this way. And we get caught up in that if I could have a month's supply of this, if I could have a year's supply of this, if I could, uh, uh, you know, all of this, then I'd be prepared. God says, come to me daily for the needs that you... No, no, listen, I'm not saying it's wrong to save. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's wrong to save. I'm not saying it's wrong to plan. But I'm saying depend on God for your daily needs. And go to Him daily for the needs that you have within that day. Number four. Examine your life and ask forgiveness. It says there in verse number 4, And forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I, regard my, excuse me, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Uh, saying that if there's sin in my heart that I have not taken care of, then my relationship with God is, is hindered. We don't lose our relationship with God, but we definitely break it. We looked at that in 1 John as we studied through that, uh, through that whole book. But we understand that if I'm trying to go to God and I'm saying, God, take care of my needs, God, take care of my needs, but yet I'm living in sin. God's saying, aren't you forgetting something? And so we, we, we have a sin in our lives, and sometimes we don't think it's that big of a deal. We know it's wrong, but we're kind of like, eh, I like it, and I'm going to hold on to it. Instead of pretending to ask forgiveness, I'm just going to live with it. God's saying, well, well, that's going to hinder your prayers. That's going to hinder the effectiveness of your prayers. The, fervent, uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Listen, we're not perfect. But when we go to God, that's the time that we take our sin to God. And we say, I did this. It was wrong. I know I should not have done it. God, forgive me. God, help me to turn from it. Because when we have the sin in our lives, until we get it forgiven, our prayers are going to be hindered. Uh, we, we ask for forgiveness. We pray for forgiveness. And it says in verse number 4 as well, as uh, uh, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. You can find in the Bible many times over, especially in the Gospels as Christ preaches, about forgiveness and the importance of forgiving others. Don't forget to confess your bitterness when you're confessing sin. Don't forget to forgive others as well. Isn't it amazing how often we, we ask God for forgiveness and God says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, yet we refuse to forgive other people who do wrong against us. Um, my wife told me once early on in our marriage, um, I did the right thing after I messed up, and I apologized. I was sweet, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she says, just let me be mad for five minutes. I said, well, okay. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, let me be mad for five minutes. Because for me, I can, I, I've been this way for a long time, even as a kid, where when I did wrong and I realized I did wrong, I can immediately understand it, and I can try to get it taken care of, and then I can act like it didn't happen. Um, I just, for whatever reason, I've always been able to do that. So I can be uh, just spitting mad and realize that I'm spitting mad and go, oh, that's wrong. 
and then I can be happy. And it frustrates my wife sometimes, but uh, uh, as you can probably expect. Um, but in, 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 I've, I've learned that not everybody can do that. Let some time for the steam to roll off. Let some time for it to, to kind of phase out a little bit. Let, let me breathe a little bit. Um, and I learned that sometimes my wife, she needs to be able to get the anger out as opposed to just let it disappear. And uh, whether that's just sitting alone by herself or whatever it may be. And everybody handles it different ways. Um, I learned that in college. I made a mistake in college. I copied someone's homework. I didn't think about it being graded. I didn't realize it was getting graded. Uh, so I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Turned it in, got caught. Uh, I got told we got caught before I went to class, so I knew it was coming anyhow. And the teacher said, hey, did you, did you copy someone else's homework? And I said, yes. And apparently the other guys did not say yes when he asked them. Um, but uh, I said, yes. And he kind of took a step back like, oh, um, all right. <laughs> and, uh, and I apologized. I said, I understand it was wrong. Um, I explained uh, to some degree my reasoning behind it, but I said, I still know it's wrong. I said, I promise I really didn't realize we were getting graded on it. I didn't think about it. Um, I apologize. It won't happen again. And then he went on to discipline me, uh, giving me zeros on all my homeworks for the rest of the semester and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, that's a little tough. And, uh, and I was actually very bitter towards him for, for a long time. And I remember talking to my dad at the end of the semester. This was my senior year, my last semester. I was getting ready to go get married. Um, and there was a chance that this class was going to keep me from graduating. It was a really silly class. It was a freshman level class that I didn't have to take with my previous major. When I changed my major, I then had to take it, all that kind of stuff again. Um, so I was in there with all freshmen. It was my last semester. I had a job lined up, a ministry lined up. I, had, I was getting married the next week. And I was like, Dad, this guy is just, he's just, he's crazy. I said, I don't know what his deal is. I said, I, I told him the whole situation, you know, what happened and everything. And, and the teacher said, if you do all of this stuff, then I'll let you pass the class. And I told my dad, I was just angry about it. And Dad said, Vince, he said, just do what he says to do and graduate. Yeah, all right. So, so, but I was still angry at this guy. I mean, bitter. He gave us directions to his house one time in an illustration. And I leaned over to the guy next to me. I said, we should go slash his tires. <laughs> um, I mean, I was, I was angry. And um, we didn't do that. And, and eventually, um, I got over it. I, I, I asked God forgiveness in my heart for the, 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 the bitterness that I held towards him. And we see we, we hold on to things and we want to be bitter towards people because they wronged us. They did something that wasn't right. Um, they hurt us, whatever it may be. But you have to understand that if we're going to go to God and say, God, forgive me for my sins, but we're going to hold on to the bitterness, well, we haven't asked God forgiveness for that yet. And we're still holding on to it. God hasn't forgiven us for the sins we haven't confessed. And there are times where we don't remember. There are times where I say, God, I know there's more than that. Bring it to my mind. Lord, forgive me of that as well. But there, there are many times where we have sin in our lives and we just we don't want to confess it because we don't want it to be forgiven yet because we want to hold on to it. We're not ready to let go of that yet. Um, I've told you before, I think music is one of the hardest things um, from what I've seen in a, in a person who grows up in a Christian environment. When they have music that isn't pleasing to God, it's one of the hardest things to let go of because it's so enjoyable. We just like it so much. Music was, was for me, it was, uh, for me, it was always a, a getaway. I just enjoyed music. I still like music, but, uh, but, but for me, it came to a point in my life where I said, I can't, I can't have this music in my life because it's not pleasing to God. And so I get it forgiven and I move on from it. 
But I know there are people who say, I know this music isn't right in my life, but I like it too much to let it go. So we say, God, forgive me of these things, but I'm going to hold on to this one. Well, it's going to limit what your prayers do. It's going to hurt. It's going to hinder. You're not going to have uh, effectual prayers, effective prayers with sin in your life. Get it taken care of. Examine your life. Ask for forgiveness. Number whatever next is, five. Ask for protection. Look in verse number four. It says, and uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ask for protection, not just from sin, but from the temptation of the sin. God, help me not to go there. God, help me not to see that. God, help me uh, not to hear that. Um, for me, language, I've never been um, horrible with language, but when I was around a lot of language, it would tempt to get into my life. Where if I uh, stubbed my toe, I would say something I wouldn't normally say if I'd heard it a lot of times over. Um, and I got that from entertainment, from movies, or from coworkers, or different things like that, where I hear it constantly. When I worked at FedEx, every other word from the guy I worked with was a swear word. And I found myself at times when I'd get angry when I was driving and someone cut me off. It was just me in the car, but I would say something that God was not happy with. And I would think, how in the world did I say that? Well, part of it is, is, is I wasn't seeking the protection that I needed. i got to have some self-discipline as well. But with that, God can help and God can give the strength. Lord, give me protection. Lord, give me uh, protection from, it says, uh, deliver us, or lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Um, provide the protection that I need, God, um, in my life to keep my life clean, to keep it what it ought to be. Um, depend on God for deliverance as well. <clears throat> there are a lot of self-help books that will tell you how to overcome different things. Without God's help, you're not going to be able to overcome it. Maybe you uh, uh, fall into some kind of addiction. There are going to be all kinds of different addictions. Fall into some kind of addiction. You say, well, it's not alcohol and it's not drugs, so I'm okay. No, if it's an addiction, it's, it's controlling you and you've got to get it taken care of. Well, how do we do that? By God's help. God can deliver. I'm not anti-steps. I met a guy... I tried to start an um, uh, RU in our church in Indiana. I was considering it. And uh, we had a lot of meth heads in Indiana and, and a great need for tr- drug addiction help. And, uh, and I had two guys in my church, both that had, been, uh, had, that had overcome addiction in their lives. One of them was running our prison ministry, and I went to him first. And I said, Doug, I'm looking at starting this ministry, addictions ministry. Kind of laid it out for me. He'd never heard of it before. Kind of laid it out for him. And he said, he said I can't teach that. I said, well, why not? He said, because I believe you get saved and then you don't do it anymore. And this is a step process, and I don't believe in steps. I think there's only one step, and that's get saved. I said, okay, well, yeah, that won't work. Uh, I mean, it works. I'm not saying that that doesn't work. It does work for people. I've seen it work for people. But it won't work to have someone with that mindset teach a step process because it won't go well, especially with Douglas. He was very blunt and had no problem with sharing his opinion with people. Uh, Not a whole lot of tact with Douglas. But nonetheless, uh, Douglas told me once my deacon was lost. He said, he said he's not saved. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he explained to me because he did this in his life, he's not saved. I said, ah, no, that's not, no. Okay. Anyways, not part of our sermon today. Um, uh, uh, depend on God for deliverance. We have to, to say, okay, I have this issue, whatever it is, whether it's an addiction or something else, a sin that, that you've, uh, that's habitual that you have not been able to get rid of, you have to depend on God to, to help you with it, to deliver you from it, because it won't happen otherwise. 
You can read a self-help book that'll tell you how to avoid things. You can read, uh, uh, you can go get hypnotized. You can go do all kinds of different things. But I'm telling you, if you want lasting deliverance, it has to be through God and through God alone. That's the only way it'll work. So ask God for deliverance and for protection. Uh, Number six, come boldly with your needs and come regularly. It's what we talked about at the beginning. Look at verse number five. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is, is, is in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he, from, uh, and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give thee. I say unto you, verse 8, Though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. We need to come boldly with our needs and we need to come regularly. He says, uh, how many of you, uh, uh, if you had a friend and, uh, and, and your friend uh, went into to his neighbor's friend's house, knocked on the doors at midnight. That's late. In case, maybe not for you, for me, it's very late. Uh, midnight. And you say, hey, I need some bread. I've got a friend that's traveling. He's at my house. I've got nothing to give him. Give me some bread. And then the, the, the friend says, go away. It's midnight. Leave me alone. I'm in bed. I'm all warm. I don't want to get up. Go away. And he says here in verse number 7, of course I'm I'm paraphrasing some of this, um, but in verse number 7, verse number 8, excuse me, he says, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Not because he's his friend. He's not going to say, well, you're my friend, so I guess I'll get out of bed. No, it's because of his importunity. Because of his consistency. The, go away. Go away. Fine, what do you want? I do that with my kids sometimes. I don't know about you. Maybe you're better parents than me. But, uh, Dad, can I do this? No. Dad, can I watch this? No. Why not? I'm watching something. All right. Three minutes later. Dad, can I watch this? No. Why not? Because I'm watching this. Dad, can I watch? Fine. Just go downstairs and do something else. I'll read a book. Oh, help me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's importunity. It's the consistency. It's the, 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 the uh, I, I really need this. Can you please help me? I'm tired. Go away. No, but I really need something to give to my friend. Will, will you please help me? It's not because, hey, I'm best friends with you. So, now, sometimes our friends will do that. Whatever it takes, they'll drop anything and, and take care of you. But sometimes it's, it's as, we, as we consistently ask, finally it is given Come boldly and come regularly with the needs that you have to God. Now listen, we don't annoy God. I don't want to pretend that that's what we're doing. And, and God doesn't, doesn't just finally go, okay, fine, leave me alone. That's not, that's not what God does. All right. But what he's using as the example here is that you don't stop asking just because you didn't get what you want or what you need. There are needs that we have that we've been praying for for years. We don't stop praying for that. We still need it. So we just keep praying. And in God's timing, God will answer. Lastly, pray expectantly. Pray expectantly. Look in verse number 9. It says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And then the greatest example I think here is given to us in verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is his father... 
will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give, uh, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Here we are, and, and the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And God says, okay, well, know who you're praying to. The Heavenly Father. Go to Him as a child would go, go to, uh, go to his, uh, his Father. Pray for what pleases God, His will be done. Pray daily for your needs, day by day. Examine your life and ask forgiveness. Ask for protection. Come boldly with your needs and come regularly. Pray expectantly. He says, how many of you being a father or know a father who if his kid says, Dad, I need some bread, he would give him a stone. A stone is not going to help a kid get nourishment. It's going to break his teeth, but that's about it. Or break somebody else's window. But nonetheless, he says if he asked for a fish, who would give him a serpent? If he asked for an egg, would a dad give him a scorpion? No. Why not? Because he's his dad. And he wants what's best for his child. A parent always wants what is best for their child. And he says in verse 13, If you're evil, wicked, sinner, if you take care of your children, how much more will a perfect God give you what you need? You see, we, we pray to God and we hope. God, I have this need. Please provide it. And we say amen and then we go, boy, I sure hope he does it. Maybe we can start worrying about it. And we get anxiety about it. Oh, I sure hope he does it. I sure hope he does it. I sure hope he does it. That's not expectant. I've caught myself before. I've prayed, said, Lord, provide this need. Amen. And then I go, I don't know. I'd be pretty big if he did. And then I go, oh, Lord, forgive me for doubting. Lord, provide the need, and I'll trust you for it. I say amen. I say he's going to do it. And a couple minutes later, I sure hope he does it. Oh, man, Lord, forgive me for doubting. Expect it, prayer. Expect it. If we're asking something that is that is. Uh, pleasing to God, meaning it's not wicked, meaning it's not uh, for our own lust to consume, that it's something that we know God would be pleased with. If it's something that we need, God says, ask and I'll give it to you. If your wicked dad will give you what you need, I'm perfect. I will take care of you. How do we pray? That's what the disciples asked. Lord, teach us to pray. Number one, when we pray, come to God as a child with their father. Number two, pray for what pleases God and His will. Number three, pray daily for your needs every single day. Number four, examine your life. Ask for forgiveness. Number five, ask for protection. Number uh, six, come boldly with your needs. Come regularly. And number seven, pray expectantly. Uh, follow Christ's example. Pray consistently. And go to God knowing he is my perfect Father. I'll take care of the needs that I have. If your prayers aren't being answered, uh, go to God with that. Find out why. Maybe there is a sin in your life that you haven't gotten taken care of and you've forgotten about it. Maybe there's something else. Maybe the request is wrong and God says, don't pray for this, pray for this. Whatever it may be, go to God and pray. Pray knowing who God is. 
and pray biblically for the needs that you have. Lord, I pray for your help. Pray that you'd guide us, direct us in our lives. Lord, I pray that we begin to see more effective prayers. Lord, that we would pray more effectively, that we'd have our prayers answered. God, I pray that you would uh, help us to have that bold and dependence on you. Lord, that we would uh, know who you are, know what you're capable of. God, help us in our lives that we would see what's important. Lord, that we would uh, uh, get our lives to where they need to be. Lord, that we will take care of the sin in our lives that needs to be forgiven. And God, that you would guide us and direct us so that we can follow you the way that you see fit. Lord, thank you for being a good God. Lord, thank you for being uh, um, a good father to us. And God, help us to constantly uh, uh, lean and trust in that, I pray. I pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, we won't have an invitation today. I just want to say this. If you haven't had your prayers answered, don't give up. Keep going. Keep praying. Search the Bible. Ask God, God, why? And so that you can see those prayers answered. That's what we should expect from our prayers, that they get answered. Prayer is asking. The answer to prayer is receiving. Trust God to answer those prayers. Lord, help us to be what you want us to be, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and break for lunch. And then uh, once we're all set up, we will pray and uh, 